0: Romans chapter 13. Let's start in verse 7. It says, Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs are due. Fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not murder. Commit, uh, rather, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not cover. Uh, covet, rather. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, uh, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Let's pray. Father, I think of the Lord Jesus after 40 days and 40 nights fasting, no food, for 40 days and 40 nights. And in Matthew chapter 4, it says that the devil came to him and said, Why don't you turn these rocks around you here in the wilderness to bread? And Lord Jesus, you responded. He said, Man does not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, in the book of Job, it says this, it says, Job cries out, I need God more than I need my necessary f- food. Lord, we, we need you. We're just in agreement with that, Lord. We need you more than we need the food that's necessary for us to survive. We need You. Lord, the, the world around us is roaring. It's seething. It's embroiled. And the world needs us the world needs you the world needs you through us how might we give you to the world Lord how might we do that on May 31st 2020 Please show us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, our continued study in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13. Almost every single verse in Romans chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, must be interpreted in light of verse 1. You could say that verse 1, without verse 1 uh, uh, of Romans chapter 12, you can't really even understand what the rest of Romans is about. You must have Romans chapter 12 verse 1 to understand the rest of the book of Romans. And what does that verse say? It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. Paul, Paul says again in the verse, I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. What does he mean by that? I beg you, by the mercies of God. It's the mercies described in the first 11 chapters of Romans that while you and I, Calvary Chapel, were still enemies of God. Children of God's wrath because of our anti-God behavior. That while we were still enemies of God, God sent His Son into the world to be the subject of God's wrath in our place so that we could become friends, not enemies of God. And have an everlasting life of joy and love in the presence of God. In view of that mercy, Paul is saying, I beg you, the mercy that God has poured out on your life presents your body as a living sacrifice. The verse continues, "Holy, a sacrifice that looks holy, a sacrifice that is holy." Meaning, it, it the word "holy" really it, it just means different than. Everything else in the world, a sacrifice that means looks utterly different than anything you ever see in the world, Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Now we did a study in that word acceptable and found that a more accurate translation is the word pleasing. I, I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the mercy God has poured out on your life, Uh, um, You should be a child of God's wrath. Instead, you're a a child of His lavish love. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable service. Meaning, this should be the normal, everyday life for every Christian in the world. Offering your body as a living sacrifice. Holy to God, holy and pleasing. So, of course, it begs the question what does that look like? How do I do that? How do I offer my body as a living sacrifice? Well, that's what every other verse in Romans chapters 12 through 16 describes. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, until Romans chapter 16, verse 27, last verse of Romans, answers that question. Paul begins to describe in Romans chapter 12, and he continues throughout the book, what it looks like to offer your body as a a living sacrifice. What does it look like? Uh, Well, really, really, really otherworldly really 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 radical in fact so radical that if you do what chapter 12 tells you to do people will think you're a fool the thrust of where he begins right out of the gate this is where he begins Verse 9, love without hypocrisy. Meaning, don't just put a smile on your face and pretend that you love someone. No, really, 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 really love them from the deep, deep, deep place in your heart. Verse 14 of chapter 12, bless those who persecute you. That word persecute persecute, in other places in the New Testament in the Bible, it's used as tear into. Bless those who tear into you. Bless them and do not curse. Romans 12 verse 14. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourself. Let God do that. Don't you do that. Let God take care of ve- uh, vengeance on someone else who has wronged you. Vind- to vindicate you. Verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Also verse 20, if he, your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now immediately following those verses. Immediately, literally, very next verse. What it looks like to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Paul starts talking about governing authorities. Governing authorities and all who act on their behalf. Much controversy today regarding those folks and it says be subject to them obey their laws pay your taxes to them why does paul start talking about governing authorities and those who act on their behalf right after telling the romans bless those who persecute you bless do not curse repay no one for uh, evil for evil do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good because it was the government authorities who were doing those things. They were persecuting the church. And Paul is saying, no, but you bless them when they do that. Do not curse them. If they are evil to you, do not repay them with evil, he's saying. Rather, overcome their evil with good. You do that today, people call you a fool and a coward. crazy. It's foolish. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. It's irrational. It's self-destructive. It's ignoring bad behavior. It's encouraging bad behavior. It's rewarding bad behavior. That's only going to make the situation way, way worse. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to the Lord can look really 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 foolish to the world it can look really 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 foolish to other people who call themselves Christians you'll be called a coward why aren't you standing up for yourself don't you know this is America This is America. But I'm a Christian first and an American second. I'm a Christian first and distant second. I'm an American. Doesn't mean I don't love and, and, and understand the great privilege of being an American. But all kinds of evil has happened. Under the name of misguided patriotism, Just casting aside the word of God. being a patriot first and a Christian second. No. not you, Calvary Chapel in the city. You're a Christian first. Christ is first in your life. But here's the deal. If you think that what you've read so far in Romans chapter 12 and 13 is radical, you ain't seen radical until you get to verse 8, where we started this morning. Verse 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. Oh, everyone, love. Oh, everyone, love. That means, if you are in Christ, if at some point in your life, you went to the feet of Almighty God and said, I give up, you're my King, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for living your life to credit your perfection to my account. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I deserve death and hell. You, di- you died and, and, and suffered hell for me. Thank you for that. Come in. Come in, Jesus, my King, my Lord, my Savior. The Bible says that at that point, Going forward, you owe everyone love. You owe a child molester love. You owe that boss that makes your life miserable love. You owe that person in the apartment above you who practices on their drum set at 2 a.m. in the morning love. You owe that coworker who takes the credit for what you do love. You owe that neighbor who throws beer cans into your yard Love, you owe that homeless person with an overpowering stench of urine who takes their seat next to you on the tee. Love, you owe that politician who with all their heart and all their mind and all their soul works at passing laws that are against everything you stand for. Love, you owe that person in the media who mocks Everything you believe is good and does everything she can to convince people that what you believe is good is actually bad. You owe her love. You owe that police officer who's got you on the ground and has his knee to your neck. Love. Calvary Chapel. You know you owe him love. Regardless of whatever race or color he is. You owe him love. You owe her love. You say, Pastor Steve, that's a bold statement. Does that mean... You're against protest. Does that mean that you would not join a march protesting the death of George Floyd? No, I'm not against that. I'll be marching today at 6.30 starting at Dudley Square. I'll be doing that. Doesn't mean that I agree with everything the protest organizers agree with i don't agree with and if they asked me why i would take great delight in opening up the word of god and explaining to them that there's certain part of their mission statement that is contrary to the heart of god Then why would you walk in a a march like that, Pastor Steve, in order to live out Romans chapter 13, verse 8, which says, I owe them love, in order to live out verse 9 that says, for the commandments... Uh, for the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up by this uh, s- saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, so, if any community, any of the organizers of this march asked us, asked me, why I don't agree with certain things that I that they believe in, that's in their mission statement, I would tell them, but then I would end by saying, but I'm here because I love you. I want to affirm the fact that, this, that the political system, the government system in this country has let you down. That, that the political system, the government system has failed you. And I love you. And I love George Floyd. And that's why I'm here. I'm there. Because I'm there there today, actually. Because in order to love my neighbor as myself. And when my neighbor has experienced systematic discrimination for decades, even centuries in this country, and the political process has failed them, I'll march with them. I must protest. I must demand justice. I'm a man who loves my neighbor as myself. I must let my neighbor know that his life is important. His life, no matter what his race or colors, is, is incredibly valuable. He's an image bearer of the God of the universe. And to have the neck of God's holy image, image crushed by the knee of a police officer is an outrage. However, if given the opportunity, it would be my privilege to share that even if my protest is successful and I get everything I want from my protest, if I get the justice I want and I stop there, I have ripped off the world. I, I I have not shown the world the fullness of what a Christian is. If I stop there, just having gotten what I'm protested for, I, I've done a good thing, but it's the same uh, thing that virtually every other religion would do. If I stop there, I have not fully offered my body as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. And I do that by blessing those who persecute me. Blessing and not cursing and teaching others that's the way of Jesus. Repaying no one evil for evil. Letting people know that broad is the road to destruction and there are many people protesting that are on that road. But narrow is the road that leads to life and difficult is that way. And part of the difficulty is repaying no one evil for evil. Part of the difficulty of the narrow road is not avenging yourself. Uh, Part of the difficulty of that road is living a life in which if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. If if he's doing evil to you, you're not being overcome by evil, but you're overcoming evil with good. And Romans 13, verse 8, and you owe people love, even that man who is not your color, who has his foot, his knee on your neck on the ground. Under the badge of authority. I want to get back to this incredibly radical verse which Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says is, it's your reasonable service. It's a normal part of the Christian life. It's not distinct. It's not like just the people who do it or just, uh, they, they have... Halos around their head and they're in uh, glass, uh, on, on glass stained windows. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, in churches. It's not just them. It's you, Calvary Chapel. Oh, no one, anything except to love them. Verse 8. Look at verse 7. It says, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs is due, fear to whom fear, uh, the honor to whom honor, and then it says, but owe no one anything except to love. What it's saying is this. Any outstanding bill, Christian, pay it. You've got to pay it. But there is one bill that you'll always be in debt with, and that you can never repay. And that is loving that person that God has brought into your life. That politician that is against everything you stand for. That tyrant in this other country um, who is crushing, oppressing his or her people you have a debt to that person and you can never repay that debt and that debt is to love them and love them and love them why in the world do i have a debt like that you know paul started this in romans 1:14 he said in Romans one fourteen, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. Meaning, I have a debt that until I die or Jesus takes me away, I'm indebted to that, that Greek, meaning he was a Jew, meaning all the non-Jews of the world, but also to barbarians, the, those who were speaking of the world beyond the Greek world, to... to, to, to Give them uh, uh, the gospel as well, both to wise and unwise. He's indebted to them. He owes them love. He owes them a debt. Actually, He can never repay them. So He has to continually uh, pay and pay and pay and pay. And the currency is love. Why? Why? why do I owe every single person around me, even the one who may have their knee on my neck and may be motivated because of what I look like, the color of my skin, why do I owe them love? Why do you owe them love? Why do you owe that person love? If you say you don't, owe oh, the person love. You need to examine yourself, Paul says in the last chapter of 2 Corinthians, of whether or not you're in the faith. Because the Bible says that's what a Christian is. They owe everyone love. And it's a debt they can never repay. What, what, but, but why? Why do you owe them love? And the answer is very simple. First 11 chapters... Of the book of Romans. Be- because you owed Almighty God an infinite debt. Why? You, send, you sinned against an infinite Almighty God. He's infinite. And when you sin against an infinite God, you take on an infinite debt, a debt that lasts for eternity, the debt of hell, eternal hell. That was an infinite that 's an infinite that pe- people uh, complain about hell how can how can um, God s- send anyone to hell? well, the answer is they they don 't understand the gravity of the earth, their sin they sinned against an infinite God when you sin against an infinite God, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator uh, uh, of every the every bone and piece of flesh and molecule in their body and breathe life into them. And when when they sin against them, it's an infinite debt. You owed God, Calvary Chapel, an infinite debt that you could never repay, but He paid that infinite debt for you on the cross. Jesus cried out, My God, My God! Why have you forsaken me? As God was pouring out His wrath on Jesus to pay the debt, the infinite debt that you owed God. So now, Having received the gift of eternal life by faith, you, living in the joy and strength that is available to you every day, through an infinite eternal salvation, you owe everyone around you the same thing that God gave you. Does that make sense? And this is why Paul, uh, in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4, says, Oh, that, you, oh, that you, you would understand, Ephesian church, how wide and long and high and deep is your great salvation. He prays that for them so that understanding, gaining under, understanding of how wide and long and high and deep is their great salvation, that they would go out understanding that everyone that they meet during the day that comes into their space, they owe them love. I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, Romans 12, verse 1. Offer your bodies, offer your lives as living sacrifices, holy, different than anything the world sees, ever, and pleasing to God. Loving your neighbor as yourself if it stops at joining a protest and getting what the protest is protesting for, we have not loved our neighbor as ourself. Because supremely, loving your neighbor as yourself is giving them God. Is giving your neighbor God. Psalm 73 verse 26 says this, My flesh and my heart fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My portion, my inheritance forever. In the Old Testament, in the book of... um, Uh, uh, of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, the Levites, the church workers, they're a foreshadowing of you, Calvary Chapel, you as a born-again Christian. They were going to go into the promised land. The people from the 11 other tribes would be getting a specific allotment of physical land. But God said to the Levites, He says, but not you. I am your inheritance. I am what you're going to own. You're going to have me. That's you, Calvary Chapel. And you can't love your neighbor as, yourse- as yourself without offering your neighbor that, offering them the Lord. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, This Christ also suffered once for sins. The just for the unjust that he might bring us to God Christ is the way he's the only way to God Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 6 I am the way the truth and the life no one gets to God the father but through me we love our neighbor as ourselves supremely by giving them God, by, by showing them God for certain, but then also opening our mouths and, and telling them how to get God. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. God. How do you do that? Romans chapter 13 verse 8 says O everyone love. Verse 9 says the commandment says you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet and if there is any other commandment all are summed up in this saying namely you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How do we love ourselves? You know, we don't have any problem loving ourselves. There are a lot of folks out there who've misinterpreted the verses like these and saying, you know, uh, you first have to love yourself before you love others. We do love ourselves. Ephesians chapter 5 says, what person um, uh, does not love themselves? Who? who Paul says, who ever heard of a person who hates his own body? When you say, well, what about people who commit suicide? What about so people who cut themselves? They're still, what, what are they going after? They're, they're pursuing happiness. They want their happiness. And tragically, some people try, try to pursue happiness by getting rid of all their pain. And, and praise God, when we become Christians, there are restraints around what we do to pursue happiness, but no one knows, or rather no one needs help needing to figure out how to love themselves. <laughs> because we all know about it. We, 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 we love ourselves supremely by, by um, trying to get happy. And, and it, Christians do so by pursuing the joy of the Lord. That's where our happiness is. So how can you love your neighbor as yourself? as a born-again Christian, without giving them that which has given you that joy and that happiness. Jesus Christ. Oh, no, uh, no one anything except for love. You're indebted to every person that comes into your space whether the space is on a computer screen and you're watching them, or if it's physically. You have a debt you cannot repay them, the Bible says. And that's love. Now that, (laughs) that is radical to the world, to many in the body of Christ. But verse 1 says, it's your reasonable service. It's like the normal Christian life. It's what you do. It's not even distinct. It's not supposed to be distinct. So I don't know about you, but I can't do this in my own strength. That is so far above me. Just reading about the rich young ruler uh, this week with Jesus, and and Jesus, after the man goes away, because uh, what Jesus was asking him to do was impossible, uh, Jesus says, and In the book of Mark, he repeats it. He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Just the disciples were astonished. He, he repeats himself. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Calvary Chapel, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who we need today as much as we ever have in our lives. God can make you a person who understand and lives out. Verse 8 of Romans chapter 13. Owe everyone love. I owe everyone love that comes into my space. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. This is a mouthful, Lord. This... I just thank you, Lord, that there's only one place we can read about such a otherworldly lifestyle. It's right there in the Word, right here in the Word of God, which you've given to us as a love letter to us on how to experience love, joy, and happiness in this life and for all eternity. I pray, Lord, that we, as a church, Calvary Chapel, in the city, would be a church that loves unity. Just like Colossians chapter 3, that forbears, that bears with one another in love, forgiving, serving, loving one another. Your word says, Lord, How more? How much more is love expressed than this, than a man or woman who gives his life for his friends, Lord? Loving like that, dying to our flesh, saying, living out your word, Lord Jesus, which says those who try to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will gain it. Lord, all this is impossible to the natural man. But you, Lord Jesus, you said it and then you repeated yourself. It's possible with you. Oh, how we want to be like you, Lord Jesus. Would you take us to the place where we are offering our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you? And by doing that, we're blessing your heart. And we're showing the world the way to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Calvary Chapel in the city. God bless you.